Anything Combat with Johnny K. But it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back from Balance to the Anything Combat Show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by PFL Welterweight. I finally found another Australian, Shane Mitchell. How you going, Shane? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yourself? I am good. How'd you get the nickname Triple A? Uh, that originated a lot way back, second fight ever. So my second fight, I took on a guy named Charles August. Uh, he was his opponent pulled out about two weeks before his fight. Um, it was Charles's 50th fight, my second fight. Um, yeah, so I took that on. And then um, straight after that, I then took on another guy from Perth who was about 7-0 and at the time. And then after that second fight, I was one uh, one and one. He uh, finished me with a TKO. Charles did, but then straight after that, I took a guy on seven and zero in Perth. And after that, I started getting called anyone, anytime, anywhere. Um, and it just went from there. The AAA. I wasn't a big one for, uh, for nicknames, but sort of just got given to me, I guess. So that second fight that you had, dude, that guy had a lot of experience. You just said, why yeah. did you take that fight? I don't know. Honestly, I think that's when you're that early in your career, that young as well. You're you're a bit delusional, honestly, to the the levels to the game. Um, yeah, and I, I think a lot of fighters know, know this as well. Is when you're so young in your career, you don't understand the differences in experience. Like, yeah, when you're young and you're getting right into it, you, you think you're you think you're all that. You think you get you're very confident, and uh, it takes a few lessons, a few uh, losses, and that to definitely uh, humble you a bit. That's for sure. Yeah. What's the pay like in the PFL right now? I know pay is a massive problem in MMA right now. Like the UFC, the pay's not the best if you're an entry-level fighter, and that's the same with a lot of different organizations. So, yeah, what's the PFL like? Yeah, it's very the, the entrance is very similar to the UFC, um, probably a touch under, probably a touch under the UFC, but very, very similar. Same deal with the um, show. You've got show purse, win purse. Um not, but yeah, look, the money is good enough. Where if you get if you're fighting consistently, you you can you can fight full time. Simple as that. So yeah, the money they look after you. They definitely do look after you. Um, I'd say it's quite on par with the UFC. What's up with your accent? You're in um, Adelaide. Yeah, we always get. Uh, I get this all the time. The east the east states always uh, sound like say I sound like a bit of a pom. Yeah, I get it all the time from the East Coast, but here in uh, Adelaide, Adelaide, nah, we never get it. I never get told that as soon as I come over to Sydney, Melbourne and that, I get asked from Pom. <laughs> Who's your favourite uh, MMA fighter? It could be boxer, it could be a kickboxer, Muay Thai guy, jiu-jitsu dude, or, or MMA fighter in general. Who's current, your favourite? Currently active. You do the current active and also do of all time. Um, currently, I, I love the uh, kinds like Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy is just very uh, is entertaining, very interesting fighter. I, I love watching him fight just because it's it's got that unpredictable style. Um, all time GSP. Why do you like GSP so much? Um, Why do you just like the nice guys GSP and Wonder Boy? Uh, no, no, well GSP like so well rounded. But yeah, also that I think I think just the way he's so humble and um yeah, just the way he hand, the way he carries himself, the way he carries himself is awesome. I interviewed a fighter. I wanted to bring him up, Sadi Boo. Now, I want to ask you. I want to ask you seriously. When I watched that clip, I thought I thought the head kick was brutal. I know. I know that's sad to say. I want to ask you, how did it feel when you got hit with the head kick? Uh, look, yeah, definitely solid. Um, it didn't actually put me out, so I didn't go out. But 
it just rattled my equilibrium so much where I remember in my head, I'm just, I knew I got hit. I got hit with something. Cause uh, yeah, I, I was just, I just got a big sort of that dizzy spell. And I remember in my head just being like, come on, like try and get on your, stay on your feet, stay on your feet. But you just could not. Um, honestly, yeah, it just, it just feels like it, that felt like someone clobbering me with a bat. Like I haven't been really? hit like that. I've not been hit like that before. I mean, the kick was like 43 mile an hour. I think it was. Um, landed- how do you, how do you even calculate that? What? Well, yeah, well, so the, the smart cage in the PFL picks up yeah, the, the speeds and that. Um, it's pretty nifty, the sort of little gadget they have there. But, yeah, I mean, the kick just come in. I, I was very unsure whether he was going to the body or the head. Um, yeah, and it got me just right on my sort of, what's this part of the ear called? Split me open, gave me three stitches. No right, clue. Right on the top of my ear there. He just drilled me right there. So, I mean, yeah, definitely a big shot. Um I'm surprised I didn't go out like fast asleep. I'm very surprised, and yeah, a lot of people said that. Um, but yeah, look, I know once it hit me, I was rattled hard. Like I said, I've never been hit like that before. The the speed of Sadi Boo's kicks is an, uh, it's just another thing. So you can see why he's champ for a reason. Just the the composure that he has, but the speed, how fast he was with his kicks, and how much they snap in was just unreal. You're Australian. You fight overseas. What's it like fighting in America? I like it. It's good. It's a good scene. It's definitely a lot bigger. Um, a lot more. A lot more going on over there. As in the the presentation, the actual promotions, how much effort they put into it. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, obviously, fight week's a bit harder. Living out of hotels, no no kitchens and stuff like that. That's a hell of a lot harder. Um, but no, I, I quite enjoy it. It's, it's good. Good experience. That's for sure. Do you get jet lag? Yeah, I, I guess you do. Um, as to if I sort of pay a massive attention to it, like I'm not one to sit there and think, complain that I'm jet lagged. Uh, if I feel tired, I sort of just, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm exhausted coming into a fight no matter what, usually anyway. So we just had a big fight camp, so the body's pretty sore that week. We're winding down. So ne- never, I'm never one to sit there and be like, oh, I'm so exhausted from the, the flight. I usually just think, my body's exhausted from the camp. Let's rest and uh, get prepared for the fight. But the first fight in Vegas, I seem to have adjusted to the sleep a lot better compared to Atlanta. Don't know why, uh, just the way it was. I think Vegas, one thing I've told a few people that I found is quite entertaining is Vegas, you got used to a sleeping pattern quite well just because at 10 a.m. the pool party started. So you're forced, yeah, you're forced to wake up 10 a.m. Uh, every single morning because of the pool party. So that actually adjusted your sleeping pattern quite well, whereas Atlanta was a bit more peaceful. Do you have any casino stories from Vegas? Uh, I mean, that, that was probably my main one there. Just the, just, the, just the funny fact of my alarm was the pool party at 10 a.m. And it sounded like it was in your room as well. It's not like it's, not like it's just a faint sound in the, in the distance. That that the speakers sounded like they were in your room. Uh, that was a good. That was that was pretty entertaining at the time. It was annoying, but you look back now and you got to laugh about it. Um, now, nah, other than that, we're pretty well behaved, to be honest. We didn't have too much craziness going on there in Vegas, surprisingly. What was uh, the biggest bet that you've ever made at the casino? No, I'm not a big gambler. I'm not. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a big gambler. Like, if I'm lucky, I might put like hundred bucks or something like that. Hundred dollar hand on blackjack or something like that. But no, I'm not a big gambler. Thank God. It's dangerous. <laughs> so the PFL structure is so different to everything that I've looked at. 
what do you think about the season in general? And do you think having a ranking system like Bellator 1 and UFC is superior? Or do you see yourself staying in the, um, what do you even call it, a season? Yeah, like the playoff. Like the, yeah, I get, I get what you mean. I mean look, you can't even compare them, really. There's two totally different structures. So... Uh, Either one's good. Either one is a great system. PFL is a bit more fast action, like just get to the top, like very, like you get to the top quick, as in you're sort of forced to, forced to fight whoever they give you. Whereas the UFC, they sort of pick and choose. You can pick and choose a bit more. You can work your way up. You can sort of pick the smarter fight. Whereas PFL, it's whoever you get, you got to take. Um, each to their own, isn't it? It depends. Like the UFC routes are definitely more. Uh, for the, if the fighters trying to build up their career, they're they're going in, they're quite young, and they've still got a lot of learning to do. That's a hell of a lot better path, I feel like, because you're going to get given a bit more of a good close matchup. You, your managers will um, try and get the right fight for you. Whereas the PFL, yeah, you don't really have that option. Like when I got given Sadi Boo, hell, we didn't want the champ. Like if I had to pick and choose, I wouldn't have picked uh, Sadi Boo the second fight in my PFL. But you got to do it. Whereas, yeah, UFC, of course, you're not going to get given the champ second fight in, are you? So I feel like, yeah, definitely more room to ease your way in with UFC, whereas PFL, you've got you to go in, yeah, getting ready for whatever they give you. Yeah, I think I get what you mean. Yeah, like how did I get into fighting pretty much sort of what pushed me into it. Definitely my parents at a young age, uh, they pretty much forced me into martial arts. Um, I hated it. It just started off as like doing karate and stuff like that. That was one thing growing up. We I played a lot of sport, but martial arts was one thing my parents made me do. Uh, even even the fact that I got to the point where I hated it, they made me do it. Uh, very thankful for that now. Definitely paid off. And then after that, uh, so my parents pushed me into martial arts a lot. When I was about 16, 17, I had a few years off of just martial arts altogether and was playing more like your football, stuff like that. Uh, then I actually started working at a gym, Cardioflex, which I fight out of now. I started working there just doing a bit of like gym maintenance, uh, management uh, side of things. Always been around the, the classes, started jumping in, learning a few things. Uh, 20, 2013, MMA was legalized in our state. Um, then we had the first promotion here in South Australia. Um, promoter went around asking, do we have anyone who is willing to compete on the very first show in Adelaide? Then yeah, just said, yeah, sure, why not? And from there on, it just kept going. What martial arts were the foundational ones that your parents um, put on you? Started off as just like a Shotokan, like a karate. Uh, then went into more of a kickboxing. I want to ask you, what do you think is the most memorable victory in your whole uh, professional career? Um, most memorable? It, it'd have to be when you're winning an Australian title. It definitely have to be the first Australian title, um, which that one I'd say against you, Jason Radcliffe. So yeah, that one that was my first. I, I won a title, sort of like a state title, over in Canberra previously, and I had two fights in one night, and that was sort of a eliminator tournament. I won that title. That was good, but I'd say when I beat, they brought Jason in from he was from the UK. They brought him in from Tiger Muay Thai, and yeah, I ended up defeating him second round TKO, I feel like that was probably my biggest highlight in my career. That was probably my – I'm a pretty composed guy when I win a fight. I don't usually, like, carry on too much, but that was one fight. Yeah, I was sort of let loose on the celebration, yeah. So, yeah, definitely say that's got to be a highlight. 
what is a piece of adversity that you have overcome in your career? Oh, God. Um, the losses, man. Like, coming across the losses, the ups and downs, I've had a few of them now where I'm on a roll, things are looking good, there's, there's talks with major promotions, but then I'll suffer a loss or something like that, which I know is a setback, and I have to start again. I've done that probably about three times now. Um, yeah, they're, they're, that's definitely the... The adversity right there facing that facing the, the the challenges of when you're in the spotlight then you lose the spotlight and you got the little voice in your head saying like you blew it do you quit like do you give up but then you just gotta nah you just gotta make sure you don't you don't you never quit um, and you just gotta tell yourself like all right this happens to a lot of people and this is where most people quit and never make it so don't be that guy you know keep moving forward so I've definitely had a few of those moments in my career. I mean, I'm going through one right now. I went through one just after coming off of two losses in the PFL. Like straight away, I'm like, hmm, makes you think, am I, am I fit for this? Uh, but then straight away, I just tell myself, well, what? If you quit, then, then where do you go? Like, you do nothing at all. So, yeah, I've definitely faced that a few times, but I've always been pretty good at just saying, nah, you're not quitting. Keep going. Keep going until it's like truly the end. Until you, perhaps my body gives out until I'm no longer be able to so I know I'm no longer able to advance my skills and my body's no longer healthy, I'll keep going. Totally agree. We've seen yeah. so many different stories in MMA, man. Like even Benil Dariush, he went on a stint where he had like loss, loss, draw, loss or something. And then yeah. he went on eight in a row in the UFC at the highest level in the, one of the hardest weight classes. Yeah. So you, you can never be truly sure. It's all about timing. Yeah. I want to ask you, I want to ask you about Saadi. So he's fighting Carlos Leal. What's yep. your prediction for that fight? And what do you think about that style matchup? I think Saadi gets the gets the finish. I think Saadi will land a head kick on um, Leal. Like he's, Leal's very in your face by the look of it. And I think if it goes similar to the last fight, Saadi will catch him. Uh, I caught up with Saadi two days after our fight. Me and Saadi actually went out for a coffee. Out when, uh, um, after, yeah, after Atlanta, I stopped by Vegas. And we actually caught up and went out for coffee, me and Saadi. Uh, and I know he was suffering from, like, he'd just come off of COVID, not even probably a week uh, prior to that fight. So I know he, he wasn't even, like, his last fight with Liao wasn't even his best performance. So uh, if that is the case, I think Liao is definitely going to struggle with Saadi. Um, Sadi's also a guy as well. You look, you you watch him from his uh, his videos, and you know he's very evasive. You know, you, like you got to look out for his kicks, and you even you even know like, all right, he's very evasive. As you're trying to enter, he's going to run out. Let's try and catch him as he runs out. You know that, and you try to actually implement some traps. But when you're actually there facing him, it's so different. It's a uh, it's a very difficult task getting in on Sadi. So uh, I think I think Liao will have a have his hands tied. With, uh, he'll have some issues with Sadi, but. Liao's a bit of a beast as well, isn't he? So it's a good fight. Their last fight, last, last fight was very close between them. Um, I even thought uh, Liao was probably a little more active and, uh, in the last fight. But Saadi is pretty clean. He's very clean and accurate. Mm. When, I, when I spoke to him, he basically said that it helped that he was taller, longer, and um, you know stronger than every single person that he's gone up against, basically. So what did you think about the length and the height of just, just his just his structure, just his build? Did you think that it was like problematic to like enter into those striking exchanges? And was he very difficult to catch? Like was he like bouncing out a lot? Yeah, definitely. Uh that's the thing. Like the 
his 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 feet, the way he used his legs, amazing. Um, he's sort of just gone. Uh, but you, like that's what I was saying before. You can tell when you enter, he's gonna move. But he's gone. Like there's times that we're like, all right, I know he's gonna move, and I'm gonna try and like leap through and catch him again. But even then, like as I was entering, and I know, all right, he's about to move out. Yep, he moves out. But I mean, he's well gone past where I want to even leap to next. So that's what actually amazed me. Is like it felt like one of your steps is to, uh, yeah, sorry, two, yeah, one one of your steps is to his. Is that right? I mean, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, um, that's what it, honestly that's what it felt like. Every time I took one step, it's just like it's. I felt like he took two. Um, so that was the hardest thing with Sadi. Uh, and the kicks, you could tell he's very uh, smooth with his kicks. He doesn't load him too much. It's just like a forward action. So. Every time I was looking to like enter, thinking, "Oh, yep, here's the time to enter." I could see the kick was right there. I'm like, "Man, like you run that, you run that little bit of risk of like, all right, cool, yeah, I might be able to enter here, but am I going to eat this kick?" So you do run into that uh, thought when you're in there with him a lot. And I, they're the things I think a lot of people don't see is that the mindset is there of like, "All right, cool, yeah, jump in the pocket and try to exchange with him, or maybe try to shoot, try and grab a leg," but when you're in there facing him and you go to enter and you sort of see just a little movement of your hip and that, it's, yeah, it's, you definitely, uh, you start thinking twice about entering the pocket with him. Those kicks are pretty nasty and same, he's got some vicious knees as well. So it's not easy just to walk into the pocket with, that's for sure. Shane, what are your long-term goals in the sport of MMA? You can have a goal about getting a particular stripe in jiu-jitsu or, you know, a ranking there or have a goal about getting a particular championship what do you think's the pinnacle of your mma journey um well i think the pinnacle of the mma journey is to get a world title uh, i think definitely winning a winning a title in a major organization is the pinnacle um if we want to speak in overall mma i think ufc is the pinnacle i think everyone can say that but yeah i think just holding a world title in general in a major organization is yeah that would be a that'd be a yeah, sort of like a, a dream come true what do you think's been like in your career, what do you think's been an evolution to your game in general? Could be something that you implemented to change your grappling or increase how effective your striking is. What do you think that you changed that helped your game the most? Uh, over the years, <sighs> composure is definitely the one thing. I definitely feel like composure is the key. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it is a hard one because I've always been pretty composed guy like certainly in the ring but yeah i definitely feel like your mindset going in with uh the relaxed mind and your expectation so i feel like the actual everyone can throw punches everyone throws throw kicks it's pretty easy to do but going in there like strategy like strategy wise being calm um also not being afraid i feel like not being afraid in the exchanges is one of the major things i feel like right now a lot of people aren't confident uh, in the the exchanges with you, when it comes to striking, uh, I feel like if you can get very confident at uh, being able to sit there exchange punch, exchange punches without overthrowing, landing into clinches, or just going too berserk to the point where you leave um, just obvious op openings, I feel like if you can get very composed at your striking, that's a huge um, a huge bonus right there because I feel like 
uh, the wrestling, entering the wrestling, a lot of people have the confidence to do that because it's not so punishing uh, in the wrestle. But those standing there and striking with someone, trying to be composed, suddenly when they're throwing punches at you and like relying on your guard, relying on your like head movement and that, having the the confidence and the composure to be able to stand there and do that comfortably, I feel like that was the that's, that's helped me a lot with my wins over the years is being able to you know, develop that confidence in not freaking out pretty much. And it's a very hard thing to do. It's very hard not to freak out because um, I feel like that confidence and composure there isn't something you can just teach someone. It just comes with experience and just comes with controlling your own mind, I guess. What do you enjoy most about the fighter's lifestyle? Uh, I'd honestly say it's the ups and downs. So the roller coaster of emotions and you're always, you always got something uh, you're looking forward to really. So that's what I always said to myself as well. If I quit right now, what have I got to look forward to in life? Um, so, cause with my fighting, I love the fact of you're coming into a fight. You're so locked in on something. You, you know, you've got a big challenge ahead of you, scares you a little bit. Um, and you just makes you so focused and makes you feel like you have a purpose. Um, and then when you have the fight, it's the instant relief. It feels like you're on a, you just, you feel like you're on a bit of a holiday, even though, even though you're not, even you, just, you could be sitting around your house for the next week, just relaxing. You just feel on top of the world because you know, you just uh, you sort of challenge yourself very heavily. Whereas I feel like if, if I didn't compete and I just live a, a, a general life, so just still in a nine to five job, I wouldn't have that emotion, that, uh, that up and down emotion, that thrill. I think that's what I love, love about it is the knowing when you've got a fight coming up, you just, you're on edge. You got that bit of fear, I guess, that fear. Um, you go and you face it because there's times when you're coming into that fight and I've got that fear and I'm like, I'm telling myself, like, why do you even do this? Like, I don't even really want to do this. And sometimes you're like, oh, this might be my last one. Like, sick of doing this. It feels like crap. Right? Like, I don't enjoy the build up of this fight. But then straight away after the fight, win or lose, you're like, man, that wasn't even that bad. That was awesome. Like, now I feel great. I feel like I feel fulfilled. I feel like I've accomplished something. Like I said, even if you even if you lose, you still feel like you accomplished something in life. Um, and I feel like that there's such a great feeling. What do you think is better, the relief from not losing or the celebration from winning? What do you think's more powerful when you get a dub? Uh, not the win, the celebration for the win for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like that's if so if you win yeah definitely straight away i'm just you're just feeling good about the win just like all the hard work's paid off and you got what you, you got the sort of the prize you got what you wanted exactly what you're looking for you that's what you got i feel like that's the good feeling there never have i won a fight and just been like i'm glad i didn't lose no i don't really think that way definitely not um probably because I'm, I'm quite accepting like going into the fight i actually i'm realistic and i know like, this is a matchup. This is a fight. Like I can lose here. It's not one way street here, and that. So I'm quite accepting in that way. So if I, yeah, I don't think the losing aspect ever comes to mind, but the winning, yeah, the, the actual the being proud of your win and all the hard work put in and getting the, you get say getting exactly what you wanted. Yeah, that's that's always a good feeling. Some Asian countries they go crazy when their countrymen wins. In Australia, I found, you know, we had George Cambosis. He won. He didn't really get that much publicity. And Volkanovsky has been absolutely killing it. Do you think that 
Australian fighters are just underappreciated. Yeah, I, I get what you mean because yeah, you look at uh, when they say a lot of other countries when they win like world titles and they come back through the airport and there's like a parade. Um, <laughs> where was it? Like there was somewhere where it actually had like a full on street parade. Uh, and they go crazy. I can't remember what it was. I've, but like... I've got I've got one. I've got one which was I forgot his name, but it was the dude in one championship that won double belts, two divisions in uh, Brunei. He was from Brunei, and they yeah. set up statues of him in Brunei. Like that was the level. Like they had statues. How we have yeah. uh, in Melbourne, like a cricketer or an AFL player, they yeah. literally had a statue of him standing in the middle of the city. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. like, we don't have that, do we? Uh, I don't know. I guess so. I guess it is just, yeah, they don't appreciate it as much. Um, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I guess if you look at our media here, they'll definitely come more lean towards sort of like AFL, uh, those type of sports. So I feel like our media doesn't encourage the the – combat sports i guess I, feel, um, I don't know whether it's just our media is not a big fan of it but yeah I, I feel i feel like that's definitely a case of uh there's some countries out there who they love they love the action sports they love the combat sports um i think they see it a bit differently to what our sort of media i mean i feel like media controls a lot of that and i feel like our media definitely views it a bit differently to a lot of other country what I thought, I just thought it was fucking bullshit, man. Like, during K1, like, there were Australian fighters. Like, what they could totally do is they could totally show a clip of someone getting their hand raised. You don't need to show a knockout. You don't need to show any violence, nothing. Mm. You can just show someone holding the belt, and they still don't do that. So, I think that's fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. And now, we, like, certainly here, they'll be fast to criticize uh, any... If there's anything bad happens in combat sports, it doesn't even have to be tough. It doesn't even have to do with an Australian. They'll definitely jump on uh, advertising that a lot for sure. Um, I feel like yeah, Australia definitely has like Australian media definitely. I don't know. It's like they got the wrong idea on it a lot of the time. I feel like they don't understand what these athletes actually go through uh, and what these athletes are actually like in person. Like they're pretty. Pro fighters, certainly when they get to a level of like Volk, Volkanovski, like that, he's a dedicated man. Like he probably has better morals, better like discipline, better mindset than 99% of people in the world. And I don't think they understand that. I think they look at it as a, it's a bit thuggish, but then I feel like if they met all these high level uh, fighters, they'll probably have a totally different mindset because. I'm sure, yeah, you've met a lot of fighters and I, like, a lot of successful fighters, they're great people. Like their mindsets are, they're very, just, they're just good humans. And that, so yeah, I feel like media doesn't, doesn't see it that way. And I want to ask you, who's your favorite Australian fighter? Oh, Volk. Volk's the man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, what do you think about that potential rematch with Islam Makachev? How yeah, do you I'd see that going? I'd love to see it. And I think right now in Volk's career, that's, what has he got left to do? Like, he's absolutely annihilated his division. Like, he's the man. He's, he's the goat in that division. Um, I think, man, he's, he's just done it all, hasn't he? Like, I feel like that is, I guess, the, the rematch there makes sense just in the way of his legacy, as in, because he's just conquered that division. Um, that fight with Islam, was that was very impressive by Volk. I feel like he'd do it again. I would not be surprised if Volk takes the win. Um, yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel like that fight makes sense, for sure. Really, really weird situation the UFC's in right now. They've promised Charles in October. They've promised the BMF title holder, Justin, the lightweight um, title fight. They've promised Volk the rematch at lightweight. 
and now Volk sitting out. Volk knows that all of that has to happen before he gets his next shot. So the only thing I think he hasn't done at Featherweight is beat a new generation contender. Like, he's been Yair, Brian, Max, Aldo, and Chad Mendes. And now I think the only thing he hasn't done is get that surging contender. And in my opinion, I think that's Ilya Tapuria. He's 14-0 and zero right now, and he's on a six-fight win streak in the UFC. Yeah. I think once he does that, I think that that he's goaded, really, in featherweight. I don't think he's there just yet. I think you disagree with that, though. Yeah, I feel like I just disagree with that in the way, though, of even in the past with the previous matchups he's had, like when he fought like Yair, like so many people out there were just saying, like, oh, like this is the guy who might beat Volk. And Volk just did it easy, easy work. Uh, that's why I feel like it's crazy with Volk. Like the way he handled Max, and like who the hell beats up Max like that? Like no one beats up Max like that. And I feel like... A lot, of, a lot of people as well, They even though Volk showed like, a number of times just how dominant he is, uh, that he still gets his matchups and people still think like, oh, like this guy might beat Volk. And then Volk just goes in and makes easy work of him. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like even how, I feel like Volk doesn't even get the respect that, that is earned sometimes. Like some people, like, like I said, his last fight, there were so many people out there, like certainly uh, um UFC, I think it was even DC was one of them saying like he thinks uh, Yair had it, uh, like as in prior to the fight. Like I don't know, some people just think it's like they have that little bit of doubt for him at times, but then he just goes in and absolutely wipes him. But then the next opponent comes in, they say the same thing. So like, how many times has he got to do it? How many times has he got to make it look easy? Because he does. He makes it look easy. He makes it look easy. He totally does. The yeah. craziest story I had from his whole career was that they woke him up like three or four hours before he was supposed to be woken up yeah, right yeah, before man. his title fight with Max Holloway, the second one. And that was the closest fight of his whole career. So you need to wake him up three hours, test him with, uh, with, yeah. with USADA just to make it almost close, just to yeah. make it almost close. So I don't know what you could possibly do to beat him. Yeah, that's. I, I feel like that's just a, it's a shit move. It's a shit move doing out by Yasada. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, no, to me, Volk's proved that he's the man. He's the man of the div. That's for sure. When you're not fighting, what are your hobbies outside of fighting? What do you enjoy doing? Um, honestly, just trying to catch up with friends and family. Um, just chilling out. Just uh, I feel like. So in the last 10 years, I worked a, while I was building up my fighting career, I worked a lot of weekends um, just because it was very difficult to have a full-time job and travel to training and that. So I was working I was working weekends for nearly eight years. Uh, ever since I went to the PFL, I've been able to quit that and sort of free up a lot of my time, which lately I've just spent a lot just socializing, friends and family. That's all it is, really. When you do your coffee appointments, what is your favorite coffee? Uh, I usually go latte, extra, extra shot, strong. Always just tell them, make it strong. Yeah. What's your pre-fight snack before a fight, and what is your after-fight binge food? Uh, pre-fight, um, I'm pretty healthy. I usually just so maybe some like chicken and rice um, and fruit. Usually like a banana. But I thought like, I don't like fighting on a very full stomach. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't absolutely just scoff the food down. I actually eat pretty light. Uh, afterwards, oh man, I got I go wild after. So I feel like I just need one of everything. But um, depends on where I was. So uh, 
if I'm if I'm here, I usually just like a big pizza. Just going all out on a big pizza is great. Um, I feel like you have to get down to the Colonel at some point and get the KFC. You have to. That's a must. Um, yeah, I'll just usually go a big pizza. But there's probably nothing better than actually just going out for a, a dinner, get a group of, group of your lads, going out for dinner, and just sort of having a sort of buy a bit of everything all out sort of buffet style. That's always the best way to go. That's crazy. I need to try that. So you don't want to eat. Um, you don't want to fight on a full stomach. No. If you did, and then let's say you got liver kicked or body shotted, right? What do you think would happen? Do you think? Do you think that would like make you puke or some shit? Oh yeah. Well, that's that's exactly what you don't want. When the point where you're so bloated, someone just like tapes you in the stomach. It's still, it's not ideal. It's not, it's not it's not the feeling you want. That's for sure. So only um if you get kicked, like it's not like right in the gut, but it's like just like. It's like your very lower stomach. You just get teeth right in there. That's the worst. So, yeah, definitely on the bloated feelings. Nothing worse. Yeah. What's your favorite travel destination? You can't say Bali. Please don't say Bali. No, nah, it definitely isn't. Um, you know what? Like, I feel like I'm, I've been to America a number about four times now. Um, I, I do love a Vegas trip. I definitely love it. It's a lot of fun in Vegas, but it's one of those ones you can't be there too long. Yeah, I was, last time I was there, I was there for two weeks. Too long, way too long. So usually like four four days in Vegas. There's was a very fun time. But so one of my actually highlight trips I did was Finland. Uh, went into, like, and that was during sort of during their winter as well. The snow trip. I found the snow trip was great. Basically, because most people always just go like Bali, Thailand, just warm, warm weather. When I went and did a snow trip, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely something everyone has to do. Certainly, if we're an Aussie like us, LA, we don't get snow. We never see snow. Got to do a proper snow trip. I always ask fighters because you never know. What's your cultural background? Like, where where are your parents from? Uh, mum's my mother's side, just from what we know, just English. Father's side, we don't actually know too much. Um, we don't really know how far back. I need to do one of those ancestry things, to be honest, because we definitely got some sort of European in us. My father's got the dark features as well. Definitely get the dark features from my father. Um, but honestly, we, we just know the English side to our family. On a real note, I thought maybe you might be like Albanian or something. Got to have something. Because like I said, my, like, when they, if people looked at my father, they would think he's a wog of some sort. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gets um, do you watch any other sports that are, that's not MMA? No, honestly, no. Not really. I'm not really one to... Uh, get sort of locked in on sports. I feel like because I do sports so much myself, I don't enjoy watching sport a lot. I totally, I totally get that. That makes sense. What's yeah. the biggest injury you've ever sustained? Uh, I'm going just in my fighting career or in ever. Bucket anything. Anything like honestly, probably just be broken arm. I, I broken arm. That was playing footy. A broken arm, um, and then I actually got. Yeah, got my cast taken off and then rebroke it like two weeks later. And then had yeah, so yeah, so I had a cast on for like nearly fifteen weeks. And that was all way up to my armpit. That was pretty much a nightmare. So after that I had a pretty skinny arm. One fighter that you mentioned before, an absolute fan favorite. I actually love him, Wonderboy. So he's been having great performances and for the first time in his career, I actually think he's getting lucky. So he, Michelle Pereira, missed weight 
And then he said, you know, I'm not fighting him. And they've got Kamara Usman saying, all right, well, seeing that Wonderboy doesn't have an opponent, I'll fight him. Now, dude, I think I think Kamara Usman's done for, to be honest, yeah. if Wonderboy gets in there with him. I think Wonderboy wins by knockout, and I think they give Wonderboy an immediate title shot after that. Oh, okay. so I, th- I, think, I think that it will be Wonderboy Leon Edwards for the belt. What do you think about that whole timeline? Do you see that happening? I mean, I see, I see where you're coming from. As in, uh, yeah, Wonder Boy does have that. Uh, he, I mean, he's gonna out. I feel like he he'll, he'll outclass um, Usman in the, the stand up. I feel like it's gonna, he's probably gonna try and get Wonder Boy down. But I mean, it's not easy to get down, is he? He does have that good evasiveness. So I see exactly where you're coming from. Like, he could he definitely, I could see him catching him with a head kick or something cheeky, maybe on a just a, a lead head kick or something. Uh, I could see something like that. Uh, mind you, though, I think Usman's going to be uh, very he's, uh, aware to head kicks now after what happened. Um, I feel like he's a he's got like yeah, just his awareness to the the kicks. The certainly the the tricky kicks is up a bit more. But mind you, when we talk tricky kicks, they're tricky for a reason, aren't they? They're sometimes very hard to hard to read. So yeah, I can see, I can see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I can see that. So about that front uh leg sidekick someone like robert whitaker fellow australian he does that beautifully man that move is so op it's actually ridiculous one person that doesn't do it though is wonder boy he refuses to do the side tape to the knee he refuses do you think that he should incorporate that a little bit more i'm gonna interrupt you sorry do you think that it should be banned as a move yeah, I don't like it. I think it's a, I think it's a bit of a dirty move. Um, certainly, I, I just don't like it. Certainly, because like, well, yeah, all you're trying to do is injure him. Like, like, I feel like that's why I don't like it because the the intent behind it is just. Uh, I don't. I never want. I never wish injury upon my opponent, and I feel like that move there is simply to injure them. So I don't like it. It's part of it. It's part of the rules, man. Like you're fighting, so. You, it's not like I complain about the rule, um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's a bit of a filthy, bit of a filthy move. Yeah. Do you think that Wonder Boy would probably be the best fighter to ever throw that move if he incorporated it into yeah, his uh, probably certainly with that sort of that karate style popping in and out? Yeah, he probably would be. Yeah, he probably actually would be very dangerous with it, to be honest. Mm. Such an interesting position to be in. Like, imagine that the the best person that can do it refuses to do it yeah i want to ask you about your posters and the belts in the background can you show us what you have there i, want uh, to take I can actually take you over there if you want yeah do it let's do it so pretty much have um so we've got one this is my uh, so that one there's from that's the eliminator when i fought twice in one night uh, so, uh, so the double KO that night, that was a nice one. Uh, this what was, was that like fighting twice in the same night? It's actually not as bad as you think. Um, the second fight, because you're already, because second fight you're already in the zone, uh, the nerves are gone. Like straight away after the fight, straight like once you have a fight, like I was saying, you have a fight, and then after the fight, you always tell yourself, ah, oh, that wasn't as bad. Like, I don't even know why I got nervous about it. You're already in that sort of you got that hype going so step come into the second one you're fine no nerves nothing you're like oh, cool let's go so that wasn't too bad um but obviously i'm, I'm pretty lucky my first fight i only went to the start of the second round and finished him no injuries i mean if you have an absolute war in the first fight the second fight's going to be a nightmare 
Um, what about your opponent? Did you, did your opponent uh, finish his fight quickly? Uh, no, I think he went the distance. I think that was my my advantage there. So yeah, so I appreciate you when I came in the second opponent. He already had a black eye and everything like that. So that definitely worked to my advantage. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, and what else do you have? So it's my most recent, uh, just a state title. This is my most recent um, welterweight. Uh, these are just different promotions. So that one was an A. That, that white belt's a good-looking belt. Yeah, it is. Very attractive-looking belt. So yeah, that one's just a state title. Then I my Apex. This is a promotion here. So, yeah, it's just like a, a Australian title. Same as the DFC there. They're just here too. So that, I won that one when I fought, yeah. So in the background, you can see when I fought Jason Radcliffe. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was probably sort of the big highlight, that one. Yeah, I'd definitely say, yeah, that was that was the hardest for the Jason Radcliffe. That was like the most um, the build up to it was just intense. It was, I was I was heavily underdog. I remember, you know, when you said topology, the voting system. I remember just yep. no one voted for me. It was just hundred percent against me. Um, really? Yeah. Oh man, I've had a few of those. I've had quite a number of those. When I fought Brennan Rapati as well, that that was that wasn't the title or anything, but. He was, I think he was about eight and one at the time. Uh, and I was sort of just coming up through. Um, I remember even then, like the voting system was like 100% everyone thought he was going to knock me out. And when you see, he's a big, solid Islander boy. And, and when you see that, you're like, oh man, like, am I am I going to get knocked out? Um, yeah, so I was, I've been an underdog heavily a few times. I know in my last fight Saturday, I was like heavily underdog. But I, could, I sort of see why I was heavily underdog in that fight though. Well, you don't have any gambling problems, but yeah. if you're an underdog at all these fights, <laughs> you should, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I didn't mind. I actually didn't mind uh, when I was when I am the underdog because I just think back and like, man, you've won some big fights when you're an underdog. So, yeah, so not too fast. Not too fast when I'm the underdog. Less, less uh, um, pressure anyways. When everyone, when everyone expects you to win, that's when the pressure's on. What do you think? It's harder when uh, when you're expected to lose. That uh, sorry, I mean, do you when think it's harder when you're expected to win? Yeah, that you sure. think that you that you underperform because of it. Yeah, for sure. When you because I feel like the crowd as well. When they you, your fan, the fans do not understand the levels to the game. They don't. They also don't understand there's a clash in styles. So you can have someone who's just got a very average record, but you know their style clashes with yours. So I know plenty of fighters out there who have just air eh, looking records, but I know myself say if I went up against them, that'd be a nightmare for me because of their style. Um, yeah, a lot of the fans don't understand that. So there's times where I've been matched up with, um, get matchups before, and people will just be like, oh, you're gonna like you're gonna walk through this dude, and or like this is gonna be so easy for you. I hate those comments. I hate it because in my head, I'm like, it's, no, it's not It's not that easy. It's like, it's in there. I was like, I know this guy can definitely put me away if I slip up, I make the wrong move or there's always a puncher's chance. Everyone knows that. So it is a hell of a lot worse when everyone is saying to you, like, you should easily win this fight. Nothing worse than hearing that. There's an interesting debate in the MMA community. What is the superior build? Having wrestling like have being a grappler and then turning into a striker and then having both or being a striker that turns into a grappler and having both right who do now, you think i'll say yeah, right now the grappling why I, would you say that 
I I wish I grew up wrestling. I wish Australia had a massive wrestling sort of schooling thing. Um, certainly now, like, it's, it is huge right now where certainly coming up through the amateurs. So we've got uh, we're a lot of our amateur boys coming through now. Some of them are very good strikers, confident on their feet, very well rounded with skill, but they're coming across guys who, to me, I'd say aren't even as skilled as them, but they just have that relentless grappling style where they're not even they're not even looking for the finish. But certainly in amateurs, you're only doing three threes, nine minute fight. So you can do you can just grind through that very fast. So a lot of these guys who are just getting decent at grappling, going in there hard with the grappling, just get a hold of them. Don't be too worried about finishing them. Just try and drown them. Take them to the decision. Win. I feel like that's coming in massively now. Um, you, you see it. You see that happening a lot more now. Where you get guys who are like really good with their hands, average grappling or no grappling, they just get annihilated by these grapplers. Um, yeah, but then even guys who they have good grappling, but they like striking, um, but the other guy brings the grapple to them. So then the guy who has decent grappling but would like to strike is then reacting the whole fight. Do you get what I mean? Certainly in the amateurs, when the fight is just done very quick, like three-minute rounds, guys just know, put the foot down, charge at him, grab a hold of him, like grab around his waist, put him up against the cage. Like If you can get him down, cool. If he starts standing, fine, just hang on to him. Uh, just, yeah, just, and then it, it said sometimes the more skillful guy is the one on the cage. Um, you, this guy's not been able to do much damage to him. Sometimes he can't even take him down, um, but... He's still winning, isn't he? Because he's the one on the offense. He's the one making the other guy just react. And I find it's very, very easy for guys in competition to do that for yeah three threes in the amateurs. Um, yeah, and I feel like that's just a really good way right now for people to get the wins. Is just having that relentless grappling style. You just get it's, it. Might not be entertaining, but it just gets the job done. Do you think that people should have more amateur fights? <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, I feel like it's a bit of a mix. I feel like some people have too many. Uh, I feel like some of them now, like, they get to the point where they're, in their, they're getting in their late 20s and they're still in the amateurs. It's like, man, like, you've got to build up your pro record. Uh, I feel like I entered, uh, like, the sort of the PFL at quite a late age. I entered at um, 31 years old. I thought I would have loved to have been in a major maybe a year or two ago. Uh, but yeah, you get some guys who are like already up to like 28, 29. They're still in the amateurs. And I, I feel like you've got to get into the pros. You've got to build up your record before, it's, like you said, you start getting towards your, your sort of 32, 33. It can, unless you're an absolute beast, it definitely can uh, shy some of the major promotions away because I know you're, you're sort of coming towards an end. That is all we have time for ladies and gentlemen thank you very much shane for coming on the podcast is there any final message you want to say to the fans at home no i just appreciate all the support and love everyone has for me so yeah thank you and thanks for having me on the show follow shane on instagram link in the description and subscribe to anything combat on youtube thanks guys Bye bye